When the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. Hey, just you and me again after a string of guests here. Thank goodness. <laughs> and hello. <laughs> and hello to everyone listening. Thanks for being here as our wonderful uh, setup uh, introduction lady said for us. This is Dismembering Horror. And specifically, this is episode 188 of Dismembering Horror, where we will be bringing our patented Dismemberment to Pearl, directed by Ty West, written by Ty West and Mia Goth from this fine year of 2022. Anything else to say to get us in the mood here, Tim? Get us set? Anything that you want to address? I mean, just that this is a prequel to X, which we did a number of episodes ago. Yes. And um, we hope uh, you've seen it, but if not, all the same. But we will be speaking, well, Tim and I have seen it, so we will be speaking as if we've seen it (laughs) to each other and hope you're included in that. But uh, but we'll get the rundown all the same. Happy to have you here all the same. All right. Well, to really get into it, we like to watch the trailer. So here Mm. we go. As I just said, from 2022, Pearl. Caring for your family during these times is admirable. But you only get one take at this life. If only they would just die. Pardon? Nothing. I want to be special. Dancing up on the screen like the pretty girls in the pictures. I will not let you leave this farm again. All right. Pearl, everyone's favorite small town sweetie here. (laughs) Yeah. All right. For our rating, Tim, would we tell ourselves to avoid stream rent or go ahead and buy Pearl? Who do you want to go? Hmm. You know... I like this movie, but I I don't <clears throat> I don't love 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 it. I guess. Um, so because of that, I'm gonna be a rent, but a very strong rent. I think it's worth spending money on for sure. Do you want to guess what I thought? I think you want to buy it because you love everything. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Because I love everything. That's not fair. <laughs> You love Ty West. You love Mia Goth. I mean, everything about this film. Okay. Them. That I agree with. So 
<laughs> I think I was pretty picky. But yeah, I do I do you do know me to know I love everything about this film and I buy I want to buy it and I want to buy the box set that comes with this and then the sequel Maxine that's coming out and X just I want it all now. Yeah, um I, I loved it. it. And uh yeah, you know what? I'll just start going on and on if I <laughs> give my review and summary, it won't be such a summary. So, we'll <laughs> right. save that for what worked, but to get all on the same page here, we got to summarize it. So, what was this film, Tim? What happened in it? It takes place in the same place as X, the farm. And I don't remember, did we determine where this is? Is it a fictional just countryside? Oh, it's Texas. Okay, so we're in Texas. That's right. And uh, I remember X, barely. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're in Texas in the, uh, right around World War One. I, I guess World War, I, World War I is coming to an end. It's 1918. Um, there's a Spanish influenza pandemic happening. And we're on the same farm as X with the um, same woman who lived on that farm, Pearl, as a young woman. And she is the daughter of um, German immigrants, and they're not very well liked at this time in the U.S. Um, and so they're they're playing a little sort of game of isolationism for many reasons, but least of which is that you know they're disliked uh, by by their neighbors and such. And the mom, who's fairly, um, I don't know, austere, uh, is caring for, as well as running the farm, her husband, who, if, did I catch this right, that he has, is syphilis is what he's suffering from? Or was, did I imagine that? From a something going around, whether it was this or something else. Okay. I thought that I, I like, thought I heard the mom say syphilis at one point, but... Anyway, whatever it is, he's, he's, what's the term for it? An invalid. An invalid. And so they have to take care of him. Um, he can't, he's in a wheelchair. He can't do anything. He can't talk. He can't feed himself. He can't bathe, all those things. So, so he's a lot of um, work for Pearl and the mom, you know, I think reasonably so. The mom wants Pearl to you know, live up to her responsibilities and not be a teenager who wants to run away and like be in the movies, which she does want. Um, she also has a husband who uh, was in the war and they don't know if he's coming back, if he's alive or dead. Um, and what else can we set up? She, you know, she sort of is a farm girl she takes care of the livestock and and the chores and such uh but she does have this dream of being a dancer in the picture shows <laughs> and uh she's she, you know when she can she sneaks away to to catch a flick in town and um she has some maybe you would call them um desires that are not necessarily quote unquote normal um she's got a bit of a um, uh what would you call it a, a bit of a violent streak a violent streak that that's that's a good way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> 
And so the movie is really an exploration of her finding herself and um, setting herself free from the shackles of this farm life. But it doesn't exactly work out. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, but it does because she, you know, she, she lives. <laughs> <laughs> right. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really work out for anyone as we may have hoped though. Yeah. Okay. Great. I think that covers it. And uh, she meets a, uh, a dashing projectionist along the way. Right. All good. She's got a, a sister-in-law is kind of her only friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They go who's, to, who's yeah. you know, well off. Her husband was well off. Actually, that's a pretty big theme in this is this, this she's married somebody who in her mind kind of had it all and never had to work for anything. And there's a lot of resentment underneath that. Yeah. So it's all these things are making her want to get out and be free to kill. Oh, <laughs> Pearl. All right. Well, then let's uh, get on here. There's so much to talk about for what worked. So let's do it. Here yeah. we go. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? Look, I I think this is a really cool movie. Um in in the broadest sense, just the sort of I, I don't know, would you call it homage? I guess it's homage to the sort of you know, these the the golden age of Hollywood style of, you know, film uh text i don't know well it's it feels like it's a step beyond homage when it's fully part of the style and text like it's Mm -hmm. more than i don't know it's it's more ingrained than homage somehow i want to (laughs) say yeah it's so like i think man there's so many things to kind of touch on this how would you describe this style itself because it's it is kind of it's modernizing a style from you know way back in film. Yeah, I mean the sort of touchstones that are mentioned in the behind the scenes are Douglas Sirk melodramas and mm. Wizard of Oz. Uh, yeah, as well Wizard with of a, Oz. Yeah, it does well, have that like color. You know, everything's so saturated in color. It's like, oh my god, the color pictures are here. Right, as well as um, Disney and a demented Disney, you could say. Okay, okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Yeah. those old Disney live action. (laughs) But what I think is helpful to be like, well, what is this doing at all in reference to genre is it's helpful now that we have X as well. So we're able to sort of go, all right, what are each of these doing Mm -hmm. to the subsequent things they're doing the things to? (laughs) So... Uh, I mean, and yeah, this is top of top of what works for me about this film is combining the slasher story setup with 
this style. Like what a interesting match that I don't, I mean, it's probably been done to some extent before, you know, played with, but like this has not been done before. I hadn't seen it. At yeah. Least. Um, and so I just think that overall, that's such a cool conceit for how to do a slasher, uh, series is rather than think okay you know he's just there's just going to be more killings at the same barn more people show up and pearl gets killed you know right after x or whatever it's all about okay you just take the slasher thing that has this thread of this character or this world or this arc or whatever it's one sort of figure person it's centered around pearl and then you and then the, the way you mix it up is you play with other time periods but then have it be incorporating the horror subgenres slash film styles of those time periods mm, mm-hmm. you know i just think that's such a neat conceit for how to how to make multiple entries in a franchise it's just so exciting and it's just all about it and that i think part of why it works so well is because you have the simplicity of kind of the classic slasher horror setup. Yeah. Well, and also the simplicity of film from that era, right? Like you, you couldn't do a ton. You had to be one location or two locations. Um, mm. Cause there are constraints. That's just the way it was having it all take place on the farm for the most part. Um, it, it feels like an old movie in that sense. Like it's about one person. It's a very small cast, small story, right? There's not like a lot of story going on, but there's a lot of diving into this one person's like character, which I think for some reason, <laughs> maybe it's just because we as like in modern film, bigger and more and better and blah, blah, blah has become kind of a norm. Um, but that, you know, that was not always the case, right? Like I, I just think of movies from like the 70s and 60s where it really is just about like one or one person or a couple existing in their lives and we get to explore their lives. And this feels like that and I like that a lot. The, I don't know if this is an ironic thing, but it's you do get bigger, more, and better in this. <laughs> I mean, better because it's better, I think. But then why that is, it's bigger and more is because kind of like you mentioned, you know, the, the character work that's going on here, you actually are able to hone in and do more of that. But then in hand with that, too, you get the... Um, the opportunity to dig into these themes so much too. Like, I don't know if you remember when we talked about X, but just like oh, the yeah. word X in reference to all that's going on in it. Like um, if you're, if this is it, when you have something that's like as rich or deep, like we were able to talk about an X or broad, it's so cool to also then when it is that, that deep or whatever to be able to continue that conversation mm-hmm. in these subsequent prequels, sequels. Well, in so, particular, I think finding, like, so we talked a ton about, like, sexual repression and ageism and, like, being sexually liberated or just liberated as a woman in general in that movie. And, like, to come into this movie and suddenly kind of get context of 
a lot of those things. But like, it's not just saying, oh, you know, here's some context to let you know why she was the way she was in X. It's actually doing something else. It's, it's, it's adding this element of like a disturbing element that she is disturbed. And like, we have to kind of get on board and, and take the ride with her in this one as a young woman to kind of get a sense of like why that is. So it's not just saying like, Oh, I don't know in a simplistic way. Oh yeah. She, uh, like she got beat up by her, her parents and that's why she's a, a, a killer in X. It's, it's not that at all. It's way, way more, um, layered and, and deep and, and, it's more of an exploration, I think, in this, in a good way, that's not super on the nose. Like, we get that she's she's experiencing a life that is a bit repressed, and she's got a parent who is pretty rigid and strict with her. But, like, <laughs> that alone is not a reason to like want to kill people. So there's this added element of like, oh, okay, she she is actually also like suffering from some some pretty bad uh impulses. Yeah. Like it's not it's not it's not just uh nurture, right? There's a there's a nature in her that wants to like hurt things. And she says that she says repeatedly, I think something's wrong with me. Yeah, so exactly. So you mentioned that if the themes in X were about more on sexuality, this one here I thought was pretty, I mean, it's never cut and dry, but I don't know, at least what I got of it or felt pretty strong to me was shifting that lens specifically of authenticity, the masks we wear, yada, yada, from sexuality to simply like the life we want to lead in our hopes and dreams sense versus the present sexuality sense, right? Right, it's broadening these things from just this tighter lens of of just sexuality and and the experience at the end of life to the beginning of life, which is an exploration of identity. Mm, and like, mm-hmm. who am I? Like, where do I come from? What's my purpose? And those kind of things, which is, yeah, like, <laughs> rightly so. This is, this is in a way, <laughs> a, right, a rite of passage film. You know, it's for her to figure out who, where she belongs in the world. Yeah. So it is the opposite, right? It's like you're, you're taking the beginnings of, of adulthood and exploring that. So, like, sexuality is a part of that, but it's 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 just a piece of the pie. Well, it's so cool to see a character like this who's, you know, deranged on some level, but is in that sort of growing up. Like you kind of mentioned, a big part of that is deciding where we lie on these certain morals. So it's so interesting to see her kind of character wrestle with all this and how she falls on kind of each line so the big one she's wrestling with of course is uh do i do i leave my abusive family behind or even though i still love them stay behind to help them and be here for my husband when he gets back and all that good stuff but um you see it's it's when you see her 
you know, that's the one she's wrestling with the whole movie. But when you see her where she's already fallen down on some things, it's so good. Like, I love how uh, the recurring thing where she's catching people in their lie that they aren't afraid of her. Oh, no, don't worry, Pearl. I'm not going to tell anyone about this. Just let me live. You know, <laughs> right. happens a couple times. But she's like straight up, well, I can read people. I know, you know, you're lying. <laughs> what do you, what do you tell me what you're going to tell me. And then also um, when she sees the stag film, Mm-hmm. And gets the uh, you know the intentions of the guy more clearly. Like she's she, she's holding something in too. It was such a good moment. She started uh to to twitch then too in her you know when she asked, oh, is this illegal? <laughs> right, right. Well, okay. So I think that you're touching on to me the the coolest and and most interesting thematic thing about this movie is. If you really, really boil this all down, what what you're left with is a very simple kind of a binary thing of how the world tells you you should be, like what life the world is telling you. So the external is is saying, this is how you act. This is what your purpose is. This is who you should marry. This is like the just the way that things are. And then you have her internal feelings, which are more hopes and dreams and like, like desires. And those two things are just kind of magnified so that they're at odds more. So, but this recurring idea of like, I'm supposed to be this but I want to be this Mm -hmm. is I think it's just really cool because that's also true in X, right? It's, it's basically breaking down the notion of like social norms or cultural norms or just norms in general and saying like, yeah, but who made that up anyway? And is that in line with what we as humans want and, mm. you know, there is, there like, there in a way, as long as, like, that's why I think this is such a cool concept. It's like that this is saying, hey, look, those rules are all arbitrary, right? Like, we all just kind of made them up. And, like, yeah, we kind of agree on things. But at the end of the day, like, nobody should be, f- like, forced to be put into a box of how they should be because of gender or because of, like... Uh, socioeconomics or or any of these things like you should be able to do whatever you want i mean the 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 projectionist literally says this like you can if you want to leave there's a road right there you can just walk down it and end up in new york city that is true but where does that line end before you start doing things that are harmful to others and I think, like, she can't see, like, that line is super blurred for her, which makes her really interesting because she's, like, she's trying to answer that question throughout the whole movie. Right. Should versus want, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, in a way, because it's, like, we, I think, <laughs> I think we all can relate to being a teenager and feeling like we're trapped because we're being told how 
we're supposed to be. And we want to break out of that. Like we want individuality and, and, and to be able to exercise our, you know, our desires and impulses and whatever. But people keep saying like, yeah, but you're not supposed to do this. Like, why did I go to college? I, I mean, I literally only went to college because that's what people told me you did and what everybody else was doing. In hindsight, I'm like, oh, well, that probably wasn't the greatest thing for me. Like I got what I got out of it and I don't regret it. But but like I probably would have benefited more from by going to like a, a I don't know, some sort of conservatory for film or 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 acting or something like that. But I didn't I didn't even explore that option because I was convinced by the world around me that I had to go to college because that's what you did. Right. So how given shoulds are you? Yeah, exactly. This movie is kind of, it's that same basic thing of like the world and the people around you who do have perspective, right? Like they're older and whatever, but they they themselves are also at the mercy of these ideas of norms and like what you should do. And generationally, we know that like those things break down often <laughs> And I mean, we, I think we all experienced that. Now you and I have seen it over the course of a couple generations, right? We experienced it as 16 year olds and then we watched a whole new generation experience it. And now we're doing it again. I'm older than you, but you're a, like a tried and true millennial by age. And I'm not like, I'm the end of Gen X. So I'm basically an in-between Gen X and millennial. Uh, so I have both. So I've seen Gen X, I've seen millennials, and now I've seen Gen Z, and they're all very different. But there's sort of this, this through line of younger people wanting to break down the, the norms that don't work for them. And there's a natural resistance by the, the holders of those norms to that shift. Right, we see and that like, with Pearl and his mother breaking down it, the natural shoulds. Exactly, exactly. And so, I mean, man, I could go on and on, but there, that, like that general overarching thematic thing, I think, is so so cool and so well done in this. Well, something else you touched on, I didn't want to overlook as far as that that shoulds versus want, and maybe this is like taking it to the extreme end where some shoulds really are. Uh, things you can't control that aren't a matter of just as simple as, well, yeah, technically I can go down the road, but I thought the dance scene was just, I mean, <laughs> oh, you know that I love these dance scenes. Oh, man, the audition. That, that whole um, scene is amazing. It's like, oh my God, I loved it so much. So yeah, but as far as what I was saying about like what it's doing with those ideas of shoulds versus wants, you have... So, I mean, yeah, I think I think the thing that we like to believe if we're thinking positive or being told as far as what to do, you know, in that sort of should versus want dilemma is as long as you're, you know, you're being true to yourself and not hurting other people, then things will go work out how they should, right? Like there's how you find the should. Almost in doing a safe, you know, a, a true want in touch with your true self, you end up in the greater should. That's why it's so good and so tragic 
you know, and, and then also, you know, with the greater themes in this of authenticity, like, and all that. So we have this example where she she gives it her all by by showing her full authenticity in this most like <laughs> endearing, just like going all out, you know, um, super sincere dance, which I then just loved so much because they just nailed the style of doing it in this period. This is so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, you just imagining like a kind of modern dance movie where someone goes all out. It's this cool, crazy, like break dance thing, hip hop thing. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Awesome. But just to see that same, um, that same uh, joy and and talent brought to dance being limited to this period. I just loved it so much and she did it so, so well. But anyway, so basically, yeah, think of it like for earnest, full earnestness on display is full authenticity on display, right? What this movie's all about. And she does it full and full here. And we like to believe that that's going to set us on the right path to lead us to our, our dreams and whatnot, where we're supposed to be. But instead, she gets rejected, and it's for a should that she has no control over by these people who tell her, well, she should be blonde and younger, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's just the most amazing. It's like, yeah, all these ideas we're talking about, it's sort of the two extremes being put up against each other and like reaching that head, which totally justifies her freak out, I think, uh, especially knowing the home that she comes from, where she finally sheds all her vulnerable layers, most authentic self, and then is shut down for a should she has no control over. That's like the most important point, right? Mm -hmm. Is the, the control aspect of it. And the sort of emotional, um, I guess almost, I guess you would call it, it's like emotional instability that she, like expectations versus reality. It's like she can't comprehend the rejection because she did the best she's ever done. So, mm. so in her mind, therefore, she should be rewarded for that. But she doesn't have... This is why I, I love that she's been brought up in this kind of isolation realm, is that she doesn't have the broader sort of context of, you know, you don't always get the reward in even if you do your best, right? Like, it, there's a bigger world out there with different perspectives that you might just not fit into. I mean, <laughs> talk about like the experience of being an actor. <laughs> like, right. One of the, I think this is sort of just per my personal experience, but I think it's fairly universal with actors. It's like coming to terms with the fact that you, the job is, is the audition, not the, the reward of winning the actual role. Because... <laughs> you're going to be rejected like almost a hundred percent of the time. Like, and, and most of the time it has nothing to do with talent uh, or effort. It has everything to do with things that are out of your control. And until you can come to terms with that as an actor, you're going to have a really like unpleasant time. <laughs> yeah. Mar stepping onto 
uh, and w- auditions like that, you know, you're stepping onto the X, which we get the great shot of in this film, where in her auditions, he's stepping yeah. onto the X, which for me, you know, just always, whenever an X appears in these X movies, you got to go, okay, now I'm looking at it through this lens of what this this means here. So it's cool to think of stepping onto the X as stepping into the target, which means stepping into your authenticity to be judged by the gods. Right, and, and from the perspective of of the stepper, the X's sort of could also be, you know, the X could be correlated to the treasure map, right? Like this is X on the map that's going to give you the treasure, mm. and having it not result in that just makes it that much more tragic, because you have these two conflicting perspectives, right? You have the world that she perceives and thinks that she belongs in, and then the actual world of of whatever let's say the town or society or whatever you want to call it and and i like the casting of those people they're all much older right like they're in their i don't know 50s or so and so there's this huge gap of of perspective between them the generational gap so yeah, I mean, I like all of these things. It's such a well-constructed story and film in spite of the sort of, uh, I don't know, ostensibly simple, you know, aspects of it. No, it's because of that. That's what we always come back to, yeah. I feel like. I love simpl- that. Simplicity and conflict is what lets you get richer, you know? Yeah, like having, as a, as a, as a detail, having her see you know, her dead parents in the panel of, of judges in that, in that scene is amazing. Like it's exactly (laughs) right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Her, uh, her ultimate, uh, judges. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, we haven't even really touched on the fact that she's killing people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, true. Well, but while we're still on kind of themes and all that, I feel like it's the perfect uh, opportunity to mention the two brilliant long takes in this film that happened towards Mm. the end where we have her monologue, which is basically just, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's a thing that's done, but just it's done so well here where you think, all right, so this is a monologue where someone... It just agrees to bear their deepest truths, and yeah. and sh- be you know, and and you know, it's like what the person across them is just asking them to do, and then when they do it, it ends up being too much for that other person. But just as far as form, it's it's I mean, you know, long takes can be tricky, and you really got to justify them. I don't know if you really have to there are always kind of great but i just say it's it's a great use of it to if you have a monologue like that i mean just makes sense well what's more authentic than just looking at them the whole time and seeing it in full and ending with that moment where she looks up to be like all right well what do you think (laughs) you know how it ends (laughs) well it's also um it's it's constructed in a way that that like eases us into it too so like there are you know shot you know, shot, reverse shot. Um, and I think there, there's like th- three different setups or f- maybe four different setups. I think it's three. Um, there's like one main reverse of, of the sister-in-law and then there's two main 
over the shoulders. One's a fairly close and, and standard one. And then the other one's a little bit off kilter. And I think that's the one that we end up sitting on for the rest of the the intense monologue. Mm-hmm. So they ease us into it uh, initially. We get a couple of reverses. And, and then once it starts to get into the monologue, we settle in. But we've we've been we've been told visually like the language of it has has said okay hang hang on we got you okay now ready go here we are yeah um, and then of course the other long take I was referring to was the end credits forced smile amazing Smiling I mean that's one pain. of the most amazing things I've ever seen <laughs> right <laughs> her doing it I, just I, I mean I so think much. like okay so. Just as a as a thing, as a, a choice from a from a like a directing point of view, it's amazing. But her her acting is like kind of unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it made me just sort of think like, why aren't we why aren't we pushing to that level? all the time now there is a reason because it's really hard and like very few people i think actually can do what she's doing in this in this film i mean this must more be more things of note to answer that question but i think it comes from a love of film and Mm. aspiring to live up to that respect that comes from that love you know I, well, yeah, but I, I think I'd almost take it one step further. But, well, that that's the the foundation of it. But apropos to the themes of the movie, there's a permission structure. Like Ty West and Mia Goth said to themselves initially and and to each other that they're we're allowed to to go there we're allowed to take it to this place there's so much to be said about that like giving permission to yourself as an artist Mm -hmm. that like i think we spend a lot of time i i I certainly do saying saying like oh that's a cool idea but here's reasons why you shouldn't go there shoulds tim get rid of them exactly and that is the movie, right? Like <laughs> sort of what the movie's about. So so to double down on that theme and then actually go there as the actor is is really quite something to see. I mean, I'm just like, I kept thinking to myself, like she's not going to get the recognition that she deserves for this. It's in the same way that I felt like Toni Collette wasn't going to get the recognition she deserved for Hereditary. You know, like I, there are these in horror in particular, I think there are women most of the time doing things and going to places as actors that nobody else is doing. Mm-hmm. And we don't, for some reason, as a, I don't know, film society, like give them like give them the the praise or or the recognition that I think that they have earned, which is weird, but whatever. <laughs> Blame it on the academy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whoever those the powers that be that like this decided again. I mean, actually, in a way, 
this is the theme of the movie again, right? <laughs> There's a group of people that are of a generation <laughs> that have a norm that yeah. horror films for some reason aren't allowed to be recognized as art. And it's like, how about you fuck right off? Yeah, I mean, it takes a silence of the lambs. I don't know what to say, you know? Yeah. Um, that was like 30 years ago, too. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I loved, I don't know, just... Because I think I can relate these things to the themes of authenticity and uh, our outward appearances. I loved the rotting maggot-infested pig. That, that right? Oh, it is so good. Because it starts off as, okay, representing a gift, a sort of a nice, beautiful jester, right? Being delivered to them by, um, by the sister-in-law. And then the fact that it's left outside and disregarded, it's like this family, this den of, uh, of, of <laughs> evil is where my mouth was going, but uh, just, just not good feelings coming from that house, right? You know, they're going to reject this gift in a certain way. It was just enough of a nice visual uh, motif of all that to see the maggots um, forming on it. But then I was just so elated and surprised that they found a way to work it in and pay off the, yeah. the pig with she's presenting it on the uh, the table with the dead corpses. I mean, dead corpses with the corpses of her parents for when uh, her beloved husband gets home from the war where it's like this, that she's decided now, OK, well, I'm going to step into my should here and be a good farm housewife to my husband when he gets back from the war and have everything all set up and nice for him. Just it's, it's just putting the, um, the horror underneath it all, just outwardly that dinner table set up and have her work at it with that pig is just so perfect. I loved it so much. Well, there's a lot of, of sort of, um, putting the mirror up, you know, the, the sort of the reflection and, and the authenticity of, of, self and the reflection is a you know it's a mirror of of that so what you see is not actually what reality is to everybody else and that's again the same theme over and over again and that dinner setting scene is the, the this is i mean to me this is like it's so brilliant of of direction to do in in well, it's not in camera, but like in 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 the visual, you are doing a s split reflection of that entire scene, right? You're doing this down the middle, uh, center center of frame. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how do you, how do I explain this, Ryan? Um, it's it's a mirror, right? Like um, I forget. Wait, was there a literal effect going on? Yeah. So in that entire scene the action is mirrored down the middle. So like when she oh, presents right. the pig, for example, I think you see the head on right and left. Of, you can call of, that like vignetting or cropping or windows or something like that. Yeah, I don't know how you would describe it, but it's it's almost like a kaleidoscope, right? It's like, but it's just one one thing down the middle. And that, you know, that is... Uh, just reinforcing this theme, this sort of mirrored 
reality uh, versus, um, I guess you would say reality versus uh, expectations or dreams or whatever. Yeah. Or what you you perceive versus reality. In particular, as, as like specific to Pearl. And just having that whole thing in and of itself be a distorted reflection. The act itself is a distorted reflection, right? Because she's setting the table for a family re- like dinner to welcome back her husband. But the reality is just much more dark and twisted in a way. Because that, that's her brain. It's this schism between those two things. Well, it's it touches on... That I mean, that thing that just humans go through and changes over time that we've been talking about where we have this sort of this is right, this is wrong. And she even admits to the projectionist, you know, sometimes I wonder because I never in the outside worlds, basically, if I'm crazy as in terms of how am I am I out of step with these sort of things that, you know, the rest of uh the rest of civilization, the rest of humanity, the rest of our rest of our society has. So I just thought there, and I think I could get us to talk about the transition to the violence and horror moments here uh, for us. But another example of just where that was going on, kind of like what you're saying and in the ending also is I loved how she dresses her dad up like mm. in his finest suit before killing him. Right. Right. It's as if, she, I mean, she says we know she does love him, you know? Yeah. She just thinks she's in her being in that moment. She just thinks she is doing the just moral thing, right? <laughs> so um, I just, and I was looking at that in contrast with um, when she kills the goose and just thinking of like killing animals and like, okay, well, if we're like, what's the difference really between here of her? you know, killing the goose this way versus putting them in the slaughterhouse or whatever, right? And it's just all in the kind of, like, ritual for it or whatever, right? Like, ideally, we'd want, I think when, you know, whether it's a person or an animal passing on for whatever purpose, we want it under the construct of some kind of acknowledgement of what's happening, you know, give it the space. And I think giving it the physical space for it, giving it the, 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 the time for it, all that helps with that. So, you know, and that's exactly what she's doing with dressing up her dad, right? Giving it, giving him that respect as <laughs> she sees it. But it was just so interesting to think, well, why is it struck us as so just like there's something off and wrong with her with killing the goose? It's because she does it in a way where it's like uh, different from how she's treating that cow, I guess. Mm-hmm. She takes, and she's actually taking some kind of like, pleasure in it it feels like which is the difference and it's here and now versus like okay we're gonna take the goose off and lay it down and do whatever ritualized killing of it that we do deem acceptable right but they it's i like that it's sort of it becomes a little bit blurry too because the next thing she does is feed the goose to the alligator right so that's that's what i was gonna say she's her fur, the way she's acting could almost be like she's an extension of the alligator. She's channeling mm-hmm. the alligator's just bloodlust in that right, moment. Right. She's like, gonna feed my best friend alligator, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like the big thing with the violence is the 
impetus that that like except for the goose killing every other kill she she is sort of brought to this this state of it's like she's provoked well she believes she's provoked <laughs> let's put it that way into this state and that she just cannot like put a lid on it right like she can't contain her reaction to whichever thing it is so we, we could t- go through them the with with the um projectionist there's a there's an inherent rejection i mean it's all about rejection actually right she thinks that things are going in one direction because of this this kind of fantasy that she's constructed that he played a big part in constructing with her right so he basically said yeah you know you could do anything we could go off to europe we could like you, that's where the like life is cooler so let's let's do that as sort of a ploy just to sleep with her but then once that happens and he starts to sense that something's off with her he immediately bails out and that rejection leads her to her reaction which is to kill him the same is true for her mom right there's a there's an inherent rejection of her as the her child and in a way almost saying like you know i like i reject you as as my daughter i don't want you i don't love you and that you know that provokes this violence in her well it's important to mention though all this is rejection in face of her showing her authentic self too she's opening up to these people about all right well i'm gonna tell you who i am and then the the next one is the actual reject the actual rejection in the audition and knowing who got it although i wondered i was not entirely sure if in reality did the sister-in-law get the part or did she just feel like she had to say that she got it because pearl is so convinced that she got it i think it's pretty set yeah i think it's pretty set up in the movie that she got it that she did get the part because we've sort of established in the world of this movie like pearl has that like read between the lines six cents almost Mm -hmm. oh there's also a clue i think in that all of the girls coming out of the audition have dark hair i think (laughs) that's that's great that's i think that the the sister-in-law is the only blonde in that sequence so so yeah that like let's just make that assumption if it's not as clear as it as it was intended it's um, what you're talking about here and like this constant rejection she's getting, I think it, I mean, for good reason. I mean, she's admitting to, you know, murder and all that and threatening them. But it's just that effect in itself of getting rejected makes me like root for her and endeared for her and this mm-hmm. caught up with a protagonist movie sense. And that's just something that really worked for me about this is that like fascinating thing that's, that's happening where just like a uh, Judy Garland or whatever, I'm rooting her to get to achieve all her dreams. You know, it's, and it's just so interesting and funny how that, um, 
is pulled off, like where I just liked her and I wanted her to get that audition so bad, despite everything else. I just fascinated That's right. with that. We, we <laughs> over the last 20 some odd years, our culture has <laughs> has created a number of television shows that are just that premise, right? Like yeah. the premise of the the undiscovered person showing up and and triumphing, you know, uh, in front of a, a, a panel of judges, right? Like American Idol is literally that construct. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and American Idol has the thing the specific thing that this movie is doing, which is, in a way, I mean, I think it's a little exploitative, but the the phase of the show that is my favorite is the auditions, like the initial auditions, where you get to see people who, fascinatingly to me, have no clue that they're not talented because they've been either too sort of in like similar to Pearl. They've, they've been, uh, they're too in their own little box or their own little world. They don't have perspective or, and, or they don't have people around them giving them that perspective, like people who can actually like speak to whether or not they're in tune. And, what makes it so much more sort of sometimes funny, sometimes heartbreaking is the people who are surrounded by people who just say, oh yeah, you're amazing. You're, you're great. You're going to do great. And they're essentially lying to them. And then they get put on this stage to effectively be humiliated. And like watching somebody go through that is, is like, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's really good TV because we respond to that. Like we, on a human level, I think that's why those shows are successful is because there's something about watching people go through that experience, good or bad, like uh, schadenfreude or not, like we enjoy that. There's something about it. It's, I, I think it's, what you're saying, it's there's you're you're seeing this authentic, vulnerable thing happen. And then and then like when the when the <laughs> like when the 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 walls crumble around them, we're like, oh my God, that's that's quite something to uh take in. Wait, uh take us back to Pearl here. So these rejections are the same. Like that audition is the same construct. She has an expectation of how things should go. And when she's rejected, she's like, it doesn't compute. You know, it, her, her brain goes, wait, what? It's more of a hope than an expectation, I want to say. Sure, sure, yeah. But but she, insane, in in. In the disbelief that she has in being rejected, there's a moment of like, none of this makes any sense because I just did my best. And that thing, that that way of looking at it is a huge part of these shows, right? Like on both sides, the rejection side and the acceptance side. Like when, you, so you'll often see people like give it their all and and it they get the 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 praise they they get accepted 
and they can't believe it. Their brains are like, what? Like, that was good? Well, it's interesting. I mean, Pearl, it's different, though, because she's, I mean, it's, yeah, same in, in those ways and places. But where it is different is she's really just looking for grounding in what is right or wrong and how she should, if what she's experienced, if, if how she is does mean she's, you know, deserving of love or not in a way. Mm-hmm. She's, as she says up front, like I said already, you know, she, she tells the projectionist, I don't, you know, I, I don't know how I am because I'm never around other people. So she's yeah, yeah. in these moments basically testing that to finally know how she is and only getting met with <laughs> a tepid, okay, Pearl, well, I, uh, I got le- left some tea on the stove there. I got to get a tent, <laughs> you know, it's all she's met with. Yeah, you know, you make a that that's a really good point. I, I think you could take this entire movie as an exploration of of seeking love and validation through love because that's definitely not something she's getting. Yeah. And she doesn't have any real context for that. Like she's not getting the love that she needs or wants from her family uh she's not getting it from her husband he's not there so she gets it from a scarecrow right exactly because it's like it's a a perversion of that because she doesn't have anything else yeah i mean that scene is it's like the design of the scarecrow is <laughs> yeah. so good. Like that is one of the more disturbing masks I've ever seen. <laughs> why is that? I don't know. I kept being like, why is this freaking me out? It's almost too lifelike. Yeah, it's the it's it's that exact kind of like whatever that specific thing is when you look at like uh like there's um an internet thing that says like 20 of the most terrifying Halloween costumes from the 1800s or whatever, you know, <laughs> for like the 1920s. Right, right, yeah. It's just like what were people like what were they thinking back then? <laughs> you know, where did they come up with this? <laughs> Felt like that. Yeah, like, did they think that that was not scary? I mean, they just probably utterly were like, gotta terrifying. Got to scare the scarecrows. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that scene is so good, though, because, like, she, again, like, she doesn't have the ability to express herself authentically most of the time. In this moment when she's actually alone for once, she gets to, and, and we look at it and we think, oh, that's weird or disturbing potentially or like inappropriate or blah like whatever sort of dumb knee-jerk reaction we have to it but at its core it's 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 her finally having an opportunity to like to feel something right and it's it's you can look at it as what is her sexual fantasy there in that moment right like what what is she not getting elsewhere that she right. wants here? And it's a sort of trust in her through through her vulnerability, you know? And I love that the dancing with the scarecrow is kind of the impetus of it, right? Like I don't think that she was like, Hey, hey, scarecrow, uh, let me let me just ride it so I can have an orgasm. Right, exactly. Like she just she sees the scarecrow and she's just had this experience with this handsome fella. And, you know, She's got to exercise her emotions, right? Like how that's making her feel. 
So it's again just like an an uh, a, a, a what am I trying to say? It's again a example of following through genuinely with the state of or your emotional state, which in some realms is good and in other realms with her is not so good, right? But that right. is kind of the one thing that she doesn't possess, the thing that makes her different is she doesn't have the, I don't know what you would call it, like the, let's let's call it like the the valve that other people have to tamp down the emotional like flood. Right. And so it when you know when it happens and it's bad, she she like kills a person. She pitchforks them. <laughs> yeah. On um the her dancing with the scarecrow, I just gotta mention and it's fun to mention here, connections to X. You remember that's her mm. intimacy that she's seeking with uh right. her other character Maxine. <laughs> uh Mia Goth's other character Maxine. So you have Mia Goth as old Pearl wanting to dance with Maxine and X. And it's the same thing here of just uh well, not totally, totally, but still the same idea of just, you know, dance representing something for her or or scratching that itch for her of just that immediate intimacy. Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like we've pretty much done our, our due diligence on all of these themes. Let's, let's actually talk about the violence itself. All right. Because, uh, it worked for you. (laughs) It's so good. So, so the payoff is what I, I really love about it. The, so the first one being, being the projectionist, the POV shot of him leaving so he leaves the the barn uh after sort of rejecting her and saying like you're scaring me and we follow him like the camera as uh, we realize i think pretty quickly that it's it's um pearl's pov but it follows him and wraps around him behind the car like he gets in the car we know it's coming and the camera moves around the car staying behind him the whole time. And he looks back at the, at the barn and she's not there anymore. And then turns, you know, the other way toward camera and suddenly she's there and, and, you know, pitchforks him. The construction of that shot alone is really, really amazing. Like the feel of it, the pace of it, like it's a essentially, I assume a steady cam shot. Um, like it's super smooth. It's eerie, right? There's something really fun and eerie about follow shots like that. Um, and the, obviously the context, cause we, it, it's like the perfect way to, to signal to us, the audience that he's in deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> like here, it, it's basically like, the you know the the step steps up the stairs right it's like dun 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 here it comes he's about to get killed and i just love how well it plays like it feels so so good it was a good reminder for me too where the, it being an axe where it's so easy for me to go or no wait it was wait do i have it's the pitchfork it's the pitchfork yeah. right and it's but well it's the axe later for the um for the sister-in-law, though. For the sister-in-law, yeah. 
So in that moment too, it's another great shot. <laughs> also, the staging of that. Um, it it was just that nice reminder, kind of like how this movie overall. It's like you know the the simplicity of the slasher, then with all this stuff built around it, where it's so easy for me to go, okay, axe. You know, we've seen it before. Even you know, Pitchfork, the Friday the Thirteenth movies, okay. But at the same time, it's like you know what? There's just something just classic and satisfying about it. No need to not just do it again. How satisfying to have that ax kill be the weapon. Satisfying. <laughs> also, they like do I'm exactly hurt, the thing that you want, right? Like they set up the weapons. In the very beginning of the movie, she does a dance routine with the pitchfork, you know, in front of the wall in the barn that she pitchforks the director of the of the porn in X. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the so it's like they're all linking these sort of, you know, visuals together. And so we obviously she kills the goose with the pitchfork as well. So it's like we're getting the appropriate setups of these things. We see the mom chopping wood with the axe twice, I think, um, before the final scene of of Pearl coming out and and very, very um intimidatingly calm. <laughs> as she just like wanders over to the axe and pulls it out and just calmly walks after yep. the sister. Oh, God, I mean, I it's, it. it's just, it's just a brilliant shot. And, you know, it's a tracking shot or um, some sort of, it's probably steady cam or, or a long dolly or whatever it was. I'm not sure, but either way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they had a technocrane. I don't know, but it is this smooth moving shot. And it's just like, I just love that style. I I don't know what it is. I think there's something about movement through space while anticipating a a, a, a you know a clear finality. I I think that maybe this is why we like push-ins. You know, like when somebody's having a moment, uh, we tend to push in on them. There's something about that movement through space of the camera into or or away from a moment. I mean, at least in the case of this shot, it gives you a sense of anticipation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I think that's what it is. I think that that's what that type of movement um, does is it builds the anticipation. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned, um, yeah, more the, the filmmaking side of it as far as uh design whatnot kind of sorta just one thing i wanted to mention on all that since we kind of you know touched on well what would you call this whole aesthetic going on here it's Mm. doing something really interesting that i love that only kind of you know I, i cued in what that was when i uh you know i was reading other reviews and there's nick allen's review on rogerebert.com when talking about sort of the production design and the the you know the multi-piece huge orchestra or the orchestral score the aesthetics of all that he says yeah. the aesthetic gambit of pearl registers more as being cute than immersive you know and kind of saying what did not work for him well i disagree um i thought when it starts it's it's cute, but not in a bad way. It's just sort of different and fun and lending a novelty to it all. Mm-hmm. And then, but as we go on, it I think it does become fully immersive because 
it's so easy. Well, like we start with, you know, viewing Pearl. She's in line with this aesthetic, right? Just who she is as a character. Oh, I dream of being in the movies. <laughs> Just all that. Right. How she looks. But then as the movie goes on, we get an actual deep three-dimensionality to her that I think we can relate to as modern people with her monologue and all her, you know, I mean, that complexity that we do see there. So what's so interesting is I think as we, as she becomes more dimensional, the aesthetics that go along with the movie do too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a way that we get wrapped up in those, um, in that, uh, in the, 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 what did he say? The device, the technique, the, the, the paint strokes that are those, um, aesthetics. It's like they, they work because the character brings us into the world where those are just normalized again. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I totally disagree with this, that guy's take too. Cause like it, it, exactly what you're saying, like the film style is a extension of the character. So to me, <laughs> it's exactly correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are too. you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah. It's just, I think it's just a little different at first and you can kind of quickly, one can quickly just kind of sort that, like, <laughs> uh, you know, like the, we're talking about the movie, make a quick moral assessment one way or the other, a quick assessment mm -hmm. one or the other. This is weird, different. Okay. Right. Bad, great. Over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the last thing. Not the best way to, to <laughs> critique. <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I know that I, I remember, um, I don't mean to call him out or Adam, sorry, dad, if you're listening to this, but we finished watching was that movie with, um, God, I can't remember any names right now. So that movie with, uh, Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss, where it's like, there's doubles of them or something. And they're like, I forget what it's called. It's just kind of weird, oh, you know, like a movie that you expect them it. to be in together. And when it yeah. ended... Um, immediately as soon as like the credits had probably barely started and my dad was like, that was weird. Ryan, what did you think? And I'm like, well, it just ended. I don't know. Like, let me, <laughs> let me, like, I don't know. A good movie should leave you with a feeling, not like an immediate assessment as to like which, you know, side of the box it fell on. I don't know. Anyway. Right. No, yeah. Nor I, I'm, I'm, we're probably being too harsh on Nick Allen here too, but it's sorry, Nick, it's more just a, an example of, I don't know, whatever we're else we're talking about here. Last thing I did have was uh, I just sort of connections, things that I liked that were other connections to X was the pornography connection. I thought it was just so mm -hmm. much fun after having X be all sex porn centric to have uh, the see uh, the one of the earliest porn films here on display. Yeah, was that an actual... Yes, um, it was. <laughs> okay, we wondered. But yeah, we were wondering if that was the case. That's it's cool. It's called A Free Ride. Hey. Which the um, the little uh, inner titles cracked me up on that so much. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, is that it for what worked for you? Oh, man. Is it? Uh, I don't know. No, I mean, I don't know. Am I? Maybe I'm beating a dead horse or whatever you would call it. But I, I do think it... <laughs> There is something so You're stabbing a dead goose. Yeah. Just so incredible about Mia Goth in general. Like she possesses this very strange 
almost duality. Uh, like she's so beautiful in moments and then can on just like just on a fucking the thinnest line just switch over to this like very unsettling like possessed thing and like i'm just super super impressed the um the crying outside of the church after the audition was i just i'm like <laughs> I, I, it, it was upsetting and in, like impressive to me. I don't know. Maybe that's just like from an acting point of view or something. But everything about like her choices and what she's doing and like the fervor with which she goes about it and like this character. I uh, I wonder too, ha her having a writing credit, how much that was her just being like, this is my fucking movie. Like, like I'm like, let me like get the input out there and like put my stamp on it. So like, I just, I think she's incredible. And I like, I want to see more of what she has to offer with this, this trilogy. So we'll get to that eventually. But um, yeah, I guess just to say like, I think she's amazing. That's good. I'm glad you uh, mentioned her because for what worked, can't not mention her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she is the movie and it's, yeah. It, it, and the movie is called Pearl. It's not like some arbitrary name and, and then we're just watching some person live in the in that world. It's like the movie is Pearl. Pearl is Mia Goth. Like this is, uh, this is her film. Yep. And I love it for that. Yeah. All right, then we can move on with that to our next section, What Did Not Work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> My initial feeling, and I, I, have a, I assume that this changes with multiple viewings, but there stylistically and this is something that i think ty west has done in in most of the films of his that i've seen it is his his sort of style to have what feels like kind of a long or slow burn drawn out thing um and in the moment watching it for the first time i kind of found myself being like Okay, like we're still like I kind of felt like I get it. I get where we're where we're at. Uh, we're do we need to continue to belabor this? And like part of me thinks you could have gotten to the point faster. And part of me thinks that that's a terrible take and way to look at it. <laughs> it's funny you're saying this at all because like when I was watching this, I'm like, oh wow, like by the maybe it's because of the subgenre influences of it it's for the first time it's ty west not seeming like he even wants to or needs to do what we'd always think of as the ty west thing of taking your time that was when mm -hmm. i was watching this i'm like oh that's just totally non-existent it's like a snappy like traditional paced whatever whatever film yeah i mean i guess i guess i just think that this is a it's not a really good reaction. Like I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm criticizing myself here. I, I just, I kept thinking, you know, like 
let's let's get to the killing, right? But which is dumb, you know. But it, like, it's a dumb way of looking at it. I mean, it starts off where she like stabs a goose with a pitchfork and throws it into the mouth of an alligator. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I know. But then there's like forty five minutes of of like her existing in the world. Well, it was for me, it's like the like they say with good movies where it's like a horror sci fi fantasy enjoy if if they if they're really working, you should be enjoying the thing, the movie before it gets to those aspects. Right. Right. Like before it gets to the thing. And I was just just so into her story and her world before it got to any killing for sure. But yeah, it's it's a it's actually just an expectation thing. I think I went in thinking it was going to be. A bloodbath or something you know i i don't know so so i i think that this is a bad take on my part that that feeling was sort of s- silly and that probably i'll watch it again and not feel that way part of the construct of of the film is that we're in this one place we're in this house and we're reinforcing these themes for the, basically the first half of the film and in the moment, I was like, I think I was too eager to get on with it. Yeah, just try to imagine like how impactful and woe it was when she set the mom on fire and that fight happened where right, it did right. versus if it had happened in the first 25 minutes or whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a lesson, I think, in understanding like what you need to do to set up to get to a thing and, and, and that we shouldn't fall into this trap of like, you know, you got to have a scare every seven minutes or some bullshit like that. And also it's a, it is its own, I think, I, you know, I guess I'm going back to what worked, but like, I think that there are going to be people who don't like this movie for this reason. And I think that they, myself included, need to like take a step back and understand that this movie is existing outside of a lot of our our expectations of how film should go right now. This is exactly how film should go right now. This was totally right. my like, speed. I loved th- it. <laughs> like we should be commending that more as opposed to being like, wow, it's, you know, it's different and it's doing its own thing and that somehow that that's like a bad thing. So I don't know. I don't really, I mean, I guess I'm just expressing a weird and I think unfounded initial reaction. You just didn't know going into it how much you should be expecting Friday the 13th or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So whatever. It's great. Maybe I'm a buy. I don't know. Well, you have, uh, uh, our episodes wrapping up here, Tim, we have one more section to get to for you to decide. So should we get to it? Sure. (laughs) All right, here we go. Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. I just got to mention there's a weird thing going on. It feels like, you know, when things are in the air in filmmaking and are, Mm -hmm. are whatever. I made a short film called Smile, that was all about just taking know, that obvious theme motif of smiling through the pain and someone forcing a smile. And it was a trip to see first that 
come up again with a teaser trailer for a movie called Smile, another yep. feature film called Smile. That is the exact same thing. <laughs> or not the exact same, but that same idea as far as, yeah, smiling's, smiling being intense and creepy as far as smiling through the pain. And then to see it come up a third time here uh, with the end of Pearl, which of course I love too, but same, same impetus that I was chasing. So it's just weird how right now just wanted uh, to note it for the record books here in our episode 2021 into 2022. Uh, the, the, the period of using smiles that way is in the air. (laughs) Yeah. So you want a bit more on, uh, what we can, expect next for the third movie yeah i mean i i initially was like trying to make the connection of who maxine is but you've you've reminded me that that's the character in x yes right (laughs) and you watched the teaser trailer at the end of the movie yes yes cool which is yeah i mean i love it that we're gonna jump into the 80s here and gary it's it's it makes perfect sense and i'm so excited for it so if uh, X is to, you know, 70s grindhouse cinema, or that's not the wrong way to put it. X is doing the grindhouse cinema thing. Pearl's doing the Technicolor, Wizard of Oz aesthetic. Then we're going to have Maxine doing, I think, the 80s video nasty thing is what one would expect. So I'm super excited for that. But it's interesting to think, too, when you also think of how each one, we didn't even put the theme in this way, but it's also the themes sort of revolve around this idea of our relationship to cinema. Where, right, totally. Yeah, for each one. I mean, that's in X, it's in Pearl. So it'll be really interesting to see how... Uh, Maxine continues that thematic trend as well as the um, aesthetic one. Right, because, I mean, you can assume, I guess, that since Maxine in X wants to be in the movies um, and it's it's a, that type of sort of pre, pre-home video pornography um, X-rated film and then Pearl wants to be in the movies in the same sense of these, like, dancing girl you know, whatever you call those little, what are those called? Little shorts? I don't know. But (laughs) like of the time. So let's assume Maxine in the 80s is going to want to be in, I don't know, like the, what's like the famous VHS, like big box pornography industry of the 80s? I don't know. Or maybe she's trying to break out of porn. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. And like become an actual, like legit quote quotes around that um, actress. That'd be interesting. Well, it's it's. I mean, yeah, I think we can expect what the stylistic thing and what the subgenres it might be pulling from. You know, from the eighties, horries. But uh, as far as the kind of horror, I wonder if or how they're going to venture from the crazy person killing people because pearls left the picture now, right? Right. So you'd think it'd have something to do with maybe Maxine being affected by these murders. And I wonder if they're going to pull from, I mean, my hope and expectation would be to somehow still find a way to pull from 80s slashers into this one. But uh, at the same time, maybe there's another sort of subgenre. It's going to be a little twist on that. We don't know what they're going to do yet. So it'll be interesting to see what the story is in that sense. Yeah. Um, so would you 
if you're going to rewatch, let's say you're getting set for Maxine, are you going to watch them in the order they came out or story chronological order? Watch it Pearl and then Ooh. X. No, I think I would watch them in the order they came out. I think. Why? Well, be- mm, that's a good question. I, I feel like it, it, it feels like it makes sense to go from Maxine to the history of Pearl to back to Maxine, but I'm not sure why that is. I guess it would it would be cool to go Pearl X Maxine as a continuation. Hmm. I mean, how it's the order is of release, there's a come full circle satisfaction, I think we're getting. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Either I think would work. Cool. I'm just excited to try watching them chronological order and see what that yeah. does. Um, when hearing about the influences for this film, for both Mia Goth and Ty West, um, you know, I already mentioned Wizard of Oz. They said they just kind of watched that as a almost a palate cleanser from X. <laughs> you know, mm. just get away from this world we've been in. Um, yeah. not, and not so much as a direct inspiration, though. But the one um, that two, yeah, a few that I thought were interesting... And just came to mind when we were talking about it, Mia Goth uh, referenced Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which you think that centerpiece audition scene, I mean, spot on. And then she also referenced uh, Dancer in the Dark and thinking of the main character in that. And then Ty West mentioned also just like Technicolor movies and then specifically the Red Shoes for, uh, yeah, Technicolor movies. Oh, what? So what was that Dancer in the Dark? Yeah. What is that? I don't know that movie. It's Do the I? one, yeah, it's the one um, starring Bjork that's um, oh, by What's-His-Face. Oh, I have not seen it. Lars von Trier. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, I recommend it. Yeah, I should it. go watch that. We watched it in uh, film musicals class in <laughs> college. <laughs> Whoa. Check it out. Interesting. Um, okay, great. Cool. Any other things of note you had for Pearl? Oh, I don't know. Do you think we're going to get the the alligator in, in Maxine. <laughs> we got to get the alligator. <laughs> uh, It'll be see- like on Universal Studios, like the, the back lot, like the tour. Right. I could see some sort of cold open with, uh, you know, sending us off with the alligator. I don't know. That sort of, you know, tying the events of the, 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 the end, end, end of X to bring us into this one. What if, it, what if in the know. opening scene... Uh, we were at the the pond and we like the camera falls into the water and floats down to the bottom and there's a TV and a VCR there and the and the alligator shows up with a VHS in its mouth and he puts it into the the VCR <laughs> and presses play with his little little claws and and the movie starts and that's the opening I think you got it Tim <laughs> You heard it here first, I'd be into folks. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, talking about the alligator too, Tip. You just reminded me of um, a moment that worked so well in the film. I wanted to mention, which was when she takes the alligator egg away to like she's gonna oh, yeah. save it and keep it on her own. And then we're going as the audience, or at least I was. Oh, this is this is her main alligator that we see years later. That she, you know, right, friends. Right. That's her her little uh, her little buddy eats people um and then to have her crush it which is have her crush it and then cut to 
her husband exploding on the like driveway coming up to the farm at the exact same moment was amazing. <laughs> so, so it was just that I just want to mention that too, because it was a cool moment about, um, you know, going against our sort of expectations maybe, but just how smart that is and how that puts you on a level just puts you on a certain receptive level when you know your expectations are being subverted. So it's just, yeah. yeah, very smart to do that kind of thing. Oh, oh, I have a question. Um, cause I didn't rewatch X is, is Howard her husband in X? Cause I, is it the same person? I just assumed so. I didn't rewatch it either. I just assumed so. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Uh... Right. Well, so that whole idea is just so crazy too, to think that like, all she wanted was to get away. She goes through all this stuff. And then when her husband comes home, he's <laughs> he's met with that dinner scene, um, which is quite arresting. But then <laughs> yep. he sticks around? Well, it's, I mean, it made sense for me. I mean, it was the perfect setup because he's, that that look on his face at the end he knows he can't leave again. Yeah. And like, he yeah, that's almost cool. Not only You're, will it is. So it is Howard. Yeah. I just like double checked the plot of X. So yeah, but you know what I mean? Wow. It, I just thought it perfectly set up their dynamic in X where right. he sort of says, Oh, you know, she's dangerous. She's sort of, he's almost has like her, uh, her like caretaker, but also her prisoner because, she will go yeah. after him. I mean, maybe an ex so much time has passed, she won't really care anymore, but the idea is there. Okay, so I, I'm changing my mind. I think that these should be watched in sequence. Okay. Or, or at that. least that's how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> cool. All right, and that's all I had for things of note. So I think if that's it for Pearl, is that it for Pearl, Tim? Are you still a rent it? Yeah. All right, then we'll wind down with our recommendations here. For now, for now. (laughs) Okay. I might be a box set by. We'll see how Maxine is. Great, great. Me too. I'm going to recommend Dead. I saw the new release film, 3,000 Years of Longing. I had to go see the blank check George Miller film, you know, just that he got from (laughs) the Fury Road Mad Max success. And uh, it it was cool. It was just you know, exactly what we're asking for nowadays when we go to the movies, but then people don't seem to actually go and see them as I want something interesting, different and original. And it was all those things and all the flashback stories were my favorite. It was good. Yeah. Check it out. Nice. 3000 years of longing. I started uh, house of the dragon, the game of Thrones show. It's pretty good. Do you recommend it? Yeah. I, for some reason, I think people are giving it like, they're like, it's boring or something like it's like did you watch game of thrones like game of thrones is a lot of people just talking about stuff so like like give it a chance here like i'm sure somebody's head will get cut off like we'll get there um but i like it it's cool i like continuing the sort of the lore of that stuff so yeah check it out it's on hbo max in closing this is it for pearl good luck figuring out your your shoulds versus your wants everyone thanks for listening (laughs) and we'll see you next time goodbye